0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast. This week
1: we're live from Dragonfly Earth Medicine Farm. Hey everybody! How are you doing today? Nice to see you. Many blessings. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, outside on their
0: deck, actually. Farm. You- oh shoot. Hey everybody! How you doing today? Nice to go. see you. There we go. All right. So you can actually see their farm all around here. Mountains and all the other wonderful beautifulness that is where they live, yeah. which is incredible.
2: We can't see you, Steve. FYI, I think the reception. Oh, did they just no. cut in? It's kind of cutting in and cutting out.
3: Well, I saw the I saw the farm when he panned around. So, um, yeah. but you were fast. Like so we tell everybody else, you know, maybe when you pan around something, take it slow.
1: <clears throat> just go slower, is what you're saying.
0: Okay. Sorry about that. I don't know why you're having issues on your end. Hopefully, it's uh, coming in clear. Set right. so, this a little
4: bit. All right.
0: Sorry. Trying to finish making everything work here. I Think we got it. Hey, Kelly.
4: Hi, everyone. Hi, <laughs> Kelly. All right.
0: So, how's everybody doing? Oh, we also have um, Josh from Dutch Blooms. Hello. You got Roger. How y'all doing? It's great to be
3: here tonight. I'm good. I can I've been waiting for the show all week. You Got um, uh,
0: Mr. Green Gene.
5: Hey everybody! Great to be here. Thanks.
0: <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> we're super excited to have Dragonfly on. Thanks for having us out here and having me out here.
1: No doubt, no doubt. We're super excited about it. We live far away up in the mountains, so it's not a not that often that people get to make it up and check it out and everything. And, you know, yeah,
4: we're really <coughs> honored that you made the, the yeah. long journey and really, really great to have you up here at our home.
0: So tell us, um, everybody, what you guys have been up to lately, what you guys are
1: working on for this season and this year and what you guys are focused on. Um, well, <clears throat> mainly in our area right now, we're working on federal legalization and what that means here in Canada and what that looks like as a community. and and it's the big question, you know. Are we not we personally, but at, you know, farmers in this area are asking themselves: Are are they going to join with a big investor, or do they have to collaborate? Do they have to uh, pay for a, uh, con, uh, a consultant? A consultant, which is you know, one hundred twenty thousand dollars for fees and stuff, or or are you going to try and do it yourself? So, we've recently had some local meetings in Nelson, uh, British Columbia, here um, with local government um offices and and lawmakers to try and make a difference for you know small farmers so that we can you know exist and not have to you know join forces with big corporate monsters because we just never know what the corporations are going to do i mean we feel like a lot of the business people that come in that are big corporate companies they can you know even lose crops or they can go out of business or change their names but you know when it comes to our farms it's our way of life, it's our farm, and and we can't mess around, you know, and and so we're just trying to make something really intentional.
4: Yeah, and I think that also what Josh is trying to say is that the Canadian model and and the way that they've set up federal legalization really is a huge federal regulation, so they took away a lot of access to medical patients, pretty much entire access they took away, Um, and now we're left with this model that was set up by the federal government with corporations. So they took these big corporations that already had an idea that they wanted to go out and they wanted to be part of the cannabis industry, and they really took their model and their corporate model and put it into cannabis. There's not a lot of space for small farmers, and they didn't write the legislation so that small farmers can really be a part of it. And the micro cultivating licenses that they're giving people really are not going to allow people to be able to make a living. You know, if you run those numbers and you look at the amount of space that they're wanting you to um, cultivate in, just there's there's not a lot of space, especially for outdoor. And they haven't really Uh, uh, hemp into account. So they took hemp out of um, industrial hemp. They made it like industrial hemp licenses, mm-hmm. totally nullified, and they put them into the Canadian trucking and licensing system. And with that, now is hundreds and thousands of dollars of these great hemp. Mm-hmm. That were great breeding hemp already and growing hemp. So it's making it really impossible all the <coughs> around.
0: And, and there was recently some changes with the hemp laws in huh? Canada.
4: Yeah, just recently. Um, canada is allowing in importation of hemp seeds for cultivation into canada (laughs) and the us it will be able to go back and forth between them um so that really changes a lot of the specific cultivars that they were allowing in canada that was really only fiber and seed cultivars um so now the allocation of cbd cultivars and medicine cultivars is now starting to be a thing so that just happened a couple weeks ago and 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 we'll see some big changes in that hopefully
1: and i will say we are seeing congruency with this um corporate legalization we call it because we were in thailand and we were you know talking with people in thailand about what medical uh what because they just recently created a medical scene in thailand and they don't have farms to suffice the medical scene so they're like okay well we're going to get our medical marijuana from different countries in the world like canada or switzerland or other countries that are you know legally maybe it's uruguay or or Colombia. um and so there's already like this international shipping of cannabis going around so in a nutshell what we're hoping to do here is is kind of find a model that we can work with in a federal legalized system that can help benefit the other farms that we work with in the with Pure Certified uh, Farm Network and the Pure Collective. So we also work a lot with the farms uh, that we work with the Pure Collective, and that's another reason why Steve is here is to kind of help us fine tune that. You know, to be able to work together as a group is kind of difficult, and um, when you're far away. So we're creating networks online that we can communicate with each other, and we're really excited about it.
0: So what, what are you guys doing right now this time of year on your farm to get ready for the growing
4: Oh yeah, well we've been planting seeds and um, a whole lot of hemp. So that's really going to be our focus is working on breeding hemp cultivars that finish in the northern areas that are still really high CBD but still you know under that point three percent to make them hemp. Um, so we're working on that. We've got our whole garden planted um, in our greenhouse and all of the seeds direct so that you know the because <clears throat> this time of year. Yeah. Because our snow just melted.
1: <laughs> we use our greenhouses <laughs> to propagate cannabis and food. So, you know, we have a whole greenhouse devoted to, to food and then so we're we're preparing all of our garden beds right now. And moving around compost and moving around hay and just establishing all the beds that we're gonna use this year. And uh yeah, we're just working on hash and hemp, hash strains and hemp strains.
4: Yeah, and a whole lot of flowers. So we've been breeding vineyas forever and breeding a lot of different Flowers, so getting
1: all of our flower beds going. Yeah, we just planted the flower bed yesterday. Online. It was yeah. so
4: awesome having you here yeah. for that. <laughs> Tell us what it's, it's like cool.
1: for you to come here and see the farm after kind of seeing it online and everything. Oh,
0: it's amazing. so cool. They have so many different um, greenhouses all over the property, all what laid out real, real, you know, uh, thoughtfully. It tears down so that they can use the water as it goes down the hill. They have ventilation that goes down through it as well. Um, just really 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 neat to see all the things working together in, in one kind of um, one giant system all the different things' about see them in their presentations and stuff it's really 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 wonderful um, that on top of on top of the fact that everything they have here is just very well thought out very well laid out um, it's in one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen so you, you know you, it's really incredible and uh, it's really cool to see all the different beds and how healthy and you know how many different little mushrooms and fungi and critters are around and all the different beds for how healthy they are and really really neat to see how uh, you know walk around i got a big tour on, on the
1: day i got here and it's really really nice so it's really really wonderful here yeah we're just we're still just getting leaves on our trees here right now just to, as in comparison to anyone who's listening or wherever you are so
4: and the reason why we have to start our season our greenhouse you know at this latitude is because it's it's all about the night temperatures. so our night temperatures are still dipping below zero centigrade at night just below so things really start changing when we get up to five centigrade um and that's like at about i guess about 40 degrees or something like that so that would be like
3: zero 32 is freezing zero is equal 32 degrees mm-hmm. freezing so that's yeah. what that
1: Yeah. Did y'all freeze up? So oh. yeah, it's uh it's great.
3: We've lost the feed a little bit. White farm.
4: Yeah, we're working over from the fields farm and we've also got yeah, are we back, back again? again. Can yeah, you hear us? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got okay. our leaves
3: about a month ago. So yeah, but I'm in the south. So you know, for you guys to get your leaves only a month, yeah. you know. Uh, it's really, really weird weather for a farmer lately. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah for sure. we we're still having super cold nights and like I said, our snow just melted. And that's why, yeah, it's just so important to have a little bit of greenhouse to be able to get those start started. That's that's just it, it just really helps give a, an extra couple week boost to our gardens, our vegetable gardens more than anything.
1: And we do germinate all of our seeds in the soil. We don't do any germinating in paper towels or anything like that. And it's not that we're against that or that it's yeah. a bad idea or anything. I think it's fine to germinate seeds, you know, whatever works for your system. But we're simple. what works for us is um, we like to put seeds in our mouth and kind of give them like a taste of our mouth. Um, a, taste a taste of our, of our
2: mouth.
1: mouth. <laughs> so, we give them a taste of our mouth. That'll and um, uh, we put the seeds in our mouth and get the saliva on there. And then we plant that in, in the soil. And we just feel like that's a really good germination.
4: And I, I think the reason why you do that is because it gives like this deep, beautiful DNA connection, um, you know, to the cannabis and to ourselves. And I think that that's important. Because Growing it for medicine, and it's like we're letting the plant know this is going to be medicine for humans, and you know, also dogs. We haven't tried to put it in the dog's saliva yet, but maybe we <laughs> <laughs> we do make dog treats as well. <laughs> Some CVD dog treats, but could be cat. It could be cat treats yeah. as well. Hey, we don't have any cats. Pet. They're, they're pet treats. Yeah,
1: they're pet treats. <laughs> and uh, what
0: um, um, I want to say. uh what other what other non hemp varieties intoxicating are you doing?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> well we have been gifted a lot of really amazing seeds from different farmers at the regenerative conference the science regenerative cannabis conference and at the emerald cup thank you so much to all the farmers that Yay! that gave us seeds and, and the seed swap was really awesome i think everyone really benefited from that oh yeah that was super you know luxurious to just be able to trade seeds like that everything so um do you, guys feel guilt, way we...
2: like, do you guys feel the same guilt that i feel like you have
1: to plant this all the seeds that you were given sort of we do we don't we have do. enough space for that and that's <laughs> sad so i mean that's the truth matter of the matter and i want to but, right? we, but we do yes do as, we do
4: we do do is dowsing with it so we have so many thousands of seeds and it's been a beautiful gift over the years and all of our breeding and trading with people. Whenever we go to other countries, we always try to get seed. It's just like something that we collect and you can't put them all in the ground. So we do a dowsing and the ones that make the dowsing, you know, move and, and groove are the ones that are going to go in. And the ones that don't, you know, are maybe going to stay for another year. So not all of them get in. <laughs> and so i don't look at the names um, of them yeah so i always make sure that i'm not looking at the names of the breeders so i won't be feeling bad about anything well
1: and another thing is um, a lot of the, <laughs> the varieties that we do use come from you know the, the group of farmers that we work with so a lot of them are really good hash strains and that that is really important to us it's like you know the resin and how it works and we like to wash plants and and do and do hash so um, we're we're really looking forward to growing out some of Spencer's seeds from Lion Power yep. organics. So And we put in a bunch
4: for Spencer. So
1: and love to Spencer and it's really, you know, something that we're really sad about is what happened. So we're we're keeping um his land alive through a, you know, a group of friends and anyone that can help out and work with mom. he had some really beautiful genetics, so we'd like to just big up lion Paw and Spencer, you know, most, most importantly, um,
4: um, and we're putting in a lot of our own cultivars as well. So we really probably, we're going to probably do about 20% of other people's cultivars and do about 80% of our cultivars usually every year, because we know that our cultivars are going to do well and we're always trying to breed and yeah we've been breeding for a whole, a lot of years. So, we want to be able to keep our genetics going. And that's the Zelly's Gift and the Homesteader. The
1: Temple Spice Temple and the, temple um, the we A40. Made a, we made a ghost OG. Ghost um, Temple. Yeah, Ghost Temple. Uh, the Healer, which is an ACDC cross with the A40. And it's just got a magical smell and a beautiful smell. And it's a, a one-to-one. That's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, that's
3: definitely cool y'all pause again.
4: Cannabinoids, this is really what yeah, You hear about the whole spectrum, but that's why. And, and we find that the full spectrum just do the best here. They're going to come up first. They're the ones that never have a problem. They're the ones that can take to our soil immediately. We always get 100% germination. So,
1: so Some other seeds that we're using are some snodgrass family genetics seeds. Um, we're using some uh, seeds from uh, the Humboldt local and northern Humboldt there, Heart Rock Mountain some green source garden seeds
4: moongazer uh,
1: Moon gazer, garden of greece a, original dangster and stay fly um, uh, yeah garden of greece which is kush kirk um,
4: green source garden uh, uh,
1: jesse dodd uh, bio vortex and uh, we're also working with some um, local kootenai strains up here that we've been working with for a long time and has some good family members that are that are here that have been keeping some really really awesome outdoor genetics alive up here and we're excited to Grow some of those out this year as well.
4: Yeah, and we're busting back into our really old uh, outdoor, BC outdoor and, and uh, we're really gonna try to rejuvenate those again and and maybe do some crossing with some CVD and see what we get. Super exciting, yay spring! The the infinite potential, pot potential.
3: All potential, life and food and pot, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I love oh.
3: it. I love it. It's all getting crazy around here. It doesn't take one minute. You can't, you couldn't grow anything here. Well, nothing ever dies here, really. I'm in the swamp, but, um, but then all of a sudden it's like, like, it seems like overnight. It's like just, everything's two feet tall and growing. Like I took a video too, Steve. I, 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 maybe I can share it with you guys tonight I'll have to see, but Steve and have been asking me to take, since you're the plant, you know like you kind of know all the different plants and weeds i i told everybody i'd go around and take a video of my yard with all the wildflowers and stuff and i'll see if i can share some of that with you tonight if if, if we have time and the feed works you know if it's okay with steve and um and you can tell me what the uh, the different plants are because we all know that some plants look a lot like another plant and one plant, yeah, and, the next is- plant and the other plants dangerous or toxic so you know uh, i think they're all probably safe but you know it'd be nice to do that later on you
4: know that would be super cool and also you can always send us photos and we'll write you back yep. you know we will
0: emails are always good too. emails
4: are really good for us you can send pictures and you can chat back and forth too love that
0: so what are you guys yeah, I'll doing- do that then. So what are you guys doing different this year on your um- farm from previous years? What, what kind of things did you learn last year that maybe you're changing up this year?
1: Um, well, we're just continuing to really build up our soils. Um, we have um, intentionally been working with a neighbor down the road to create some really rich compost. And so we have really pretty deep beds right now. So I think we're going to tee a little bit less on our farm this year only because we have such rich soil and um, you know we usually just go hog wild with the teas and everything because we have a really pretty fertile environment here um but i think that we're going to uh do less of that and maybe we'll we'll over tea in some areas and josh maybe you want to chime in on this because we were talking about you know feminizing and stuff like that and that we've found that there's ways that we can create self or maybe mr green Jesus if you have a thought about creating this,
4: selfing from is really where nutrient soil. If we
1: have a greenhouse full of plants that we really like, that we really want genetics from, that you can overfeed, like we do nettle teas and comfrey, and
4: nettle juicing, and especially plants. to be able to get them
1: And I wouldn't say overfeed, but you like you know, we just you can make a ton of it in our area, and then we feed it in, and then it creates a male flower just in the beginning. Just a couple. Just we're just talking like the, the, the first two weeks of flower, you know, yeah. beginning. That I, I definitely the
5: you know, extra nitrogen, anything, you know, that that really encourages that extra growth, you know, I think, you know, it works. And also getting the roots to grow, too, you know what I mean? Um, that it really encourages more, because a lot of times when plants are flowering, they're kind of putting on the brakes as far as putting on, uh, putting in any new root. Uh, they're not looking for any more. They're just planning to do with what they have in their root zones. They stop sending out new roots. But any kind of, uh, you know, trick that you can get to make them grow roots will probably, you know, help to encourage that flower.
4: Yeah. um, Yeah, I think, and and we've really noticed that, you know, um, the seeds off of that, maybe each plant will only have like 25 seeds, you know, max. They're huge. They're amazing. And each one is about 98%. But, you know, we're still figuring that out about 98% um, female. Have you found that as well with those? Kind of selfing?
5: I, I don't know about that, but I think, I think selfing plants almost always does result in, uh, you know, um, close yeah, to yeah, 100% yeah. Female. generally probably. where you get the percentage of males is when you t- uh, use uh, selfed female pollen on another female plant. You know what I mean when you go to the other, female, which you can
2: do as well. Actually, I was gonna say just to interject after talking it over with Eric and then from HBK it. and with Green Jeans and with Jesse uh, from BioVortex. I think the conclusion between all these guys that I really look up to is that it, to, to create a self plant, you would you would you would intentionally self plants in another environment wait for the plants that you want to self to mature to the third week and then you'd bring these selfed females into the environment that would that would pollinate the room um anyways huh. yeah Be, because it was, it, the that the idea was to get the maximum you know uh, seed crop out of out of the area cause, you know to make the, the most seed
5: but but also the good the point of putting only if you only get a few seeds it is true that they come out you know they they're a lot easier for the plant to develop them nice and big and strong
4: they Um, are really big they're huge yeah and we'll get lots of doubles you know yeah and i've been finding lately
5: i've yeah right exactly it's because the plants got so much energy
2: mr green can you answer this or can anybody answer this is that potentially because they're getting pollinated super early so the seeds are developing to be really huge. You know, when that uh, helps, you know. too,
5: that definitely helps too. Uh, early pollen as early as possible and and, you know, fewer, fewer seeds. Like if you if you pollinate the plant heavily, you really got to be ready to feed for to feed for fruit. And everybody's always concerned about feeding cannabis and they're thinking, ah, it needs so much nutrients. But if you think about it, you're just feeding flowers. You know what I mean? But once you put, once you seed the plant, oh my God, that really taxes the hell out of it. So uh, you really, it really needs a whole lot of other, you know, more nutrients to, to, and I've been, and I probably have been guilty of making this last few months, I've been making some not very good seeds. I can see that they're not, they're not strong as when uh, smaller amounts of you know at the bottom and everything and was more conscientious about it yeah sorry you guys
1: <laughs> no
3: that was excellent though about that that was excellent about that that last thing you said uh, that that's something that uh, that people uh, the, the fact that the way that works was um all right i'm i'm yeah the back
5: it's just so much it's just so much energy. It just take taxes the plant so much to make seeds, so much more than you think. So, like, when you only make a few, you know, it makes a huge difference. The plants definitely got a, enough energy for, you know. And it's amazing, I mean, if that, that you know, how much energy it takes to make those seeds. It really surprised me because I'm always trying to flower plants in, in these tiny little containers you guys have seen. I'm flowering them in, like, quartz and stuff like that you know and and that's that's nice for the flower it's great because actually a lot of times connoisseur flower is a little bit better if you're kind of withholding nutrients during you know towards the end of flowering and it you know makes a makes a better quality flower but boy when you're trying to make seeds that's a whole nother story
4: yeah i mean it's really no different than growing a baby or or you know when you've got animals on your farm and, and they're pregnant you really have to boost up their exactly. nutrients and really think about that. You know, it's no different than Big time. giving them all yeah. the same type of nutrients that you would in a whole cycle in just a short period of time for them to continue that
5: growth. And I Absolutely. think that's so important. And, and some other variables. But. Some other variables to look at are, are how many are the, the pistol, to ra- to pistol to leaf ratio of the plant. You know, plants that are more uh, sativa dominant are going to have a lot more pistols, And a plant like that can e- much more easily get overwhelmed by a huge pollination than an indica dominant plant that has only, you know, a, a sprinkling of pistols. You yeah, know
1: I mean? yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. And a lot of those... Self, yeah. a lot of those self plants will only have seeds just at the bottom of the bud.
5: And yes, and another thing is that I think indica plants, for example, one of the indica, another on the trait of the genetics, indica wow. trait is the, the thicker leaf, the thicker leathery leaf, right? And that that leaf shape, that leaf uh, trait stores a lot of nutrients, stores nutrients much better than the thin right. leaf. So your your thin leave sativas, you've got to really, those are the ones you've really got to take care of when they're trying to make seeds because they don't even have any stored nutrients.
0: So, so Kelly was just saying she had to step out for a second that the root zones on sativas are also a lot smaller. So,
5: yeah. Takes That's a interesting. More yeah.
3: That's very interesting. The oh, root sativa smaller.
5: Oh it can be i mean it can be, they'll be a lot more variable is you know what i deeper? mean That's true they, is it
3: deeper not like you say when it's smaller is does it mean it penetrates deeper as opposed to having a wider root zone because it, since it grows taller and lankier you might think in general gardening terms that the roots are are, are not as wide but deeper so i mean you know got any ideas well,
1: it depends on how long it has to grow and what it has to grow in if it has like infinite soil and it can grow however it does put a quite a wide web out um but it but it will tap down pretty far pretty far and i think the sativas you know will will tap in pretty good because they're so tall you know i mean they kind of have to exactly
5: a a lot of a a really uh uh, you know indica trade is a plant that just never will get that big you know what i mean it doesn't matter how long the season is. And it's only going to get this big. So right. obviously, that plant's not going to have a root system like your sativa that grows to be 25 feet tall. For but, sure. but, yeah. but there's a lot of variations in sativas. It's a, a lot harder to make generalizations about sativas. When you say it sativas is. with small root systems, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, because, you know what I mean? Because, oh, yeah, there are some. But then there are these other sativas with giant root systems. So I mean, it, yeah. It does, it does depend. Indica is like one little thing. Sativa is like all oh, the rest of the world, kind of, you know, the way we get it. So it's kind of, it I, I, it's I don't generalize.
1: even like using the terms. Technically, or, technically, it's the other way around. Thin leaf and broad leaf, yeah. and, you know, we can talk about yeah. it like that. But. The
3: new terms, oh, Lord, the new Lord. But terms.
1: Uh, still, we, we we do breed, you know, males too. So we we start, you know, we selfing is not the only way we make seeds that's that's important to note so we have in fact we, uh, do we, we have a whole greenhouse we have a whole greenhouse full of uh three gallon pots two and three gallon pots and we put two to you know probably two to three seeds in each pot and that'll pretty much guarantee that we have a female in each one of those pots and if we have two p- females or even three we'll let them all grow out and together you know we don't really feel the need to separate them um for the mm-hmm. males, for males, that for for the ones that we want to keep for males, which we'll probably have like maybe ten or twelve varieties that we that we choose from, and we put those in a bigger, you know, fifteen gallon pot, and they can go. They're in thirty gallons. Right. Okay. Thirty, yeah. but and they can get bigger, and we can put them out a little bit later. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but um, anyway, so the idea is we put like you know seven or eight seeds in those pots and then we you know make sure that we have like a good a good male or two males and then if, if the males are starting to grow in there then we kind of start you know vibing with the plant and seeing which one smells the best or has the best stature and that's basically the yes. way we do it and we we Whatever
4: we're, we're not for. choosing
1: from you know thousands of males and there's plenty of people that are, that do that and that's a different way of breeding but this is just kind of homestead you know what works for us healthy in our area
4: and we know what we're looking for so if we're searching for Our 840 male genetic that we've been working with for so long. We definitely know what he looks like, what we want him to, what kind of energy he's got, what kind of stature he's got, how he how he smells on his stalk. So, and and some people were talking about that they, you know, find males that are like more feminine, but we've always really gone for the really big stature, super masculine male plants. It's just been what We've always worked with, and that's really served us well, at least in the environment that we work in.
3: Can I ask a question? and t- take a step back because I had some technical difficulties for a co- you know for a couple minutes. Back to what, and and I this is for both you and Mr. Green Jeans. When you're talking about when you create that environment where all of a sudden you've got these really <laughs> huge seeds, and because you've done extra nitrogen and all, do you find it that you have any way to manipulate with, and do you feel like at any time you can mani- manipulate or create more female, or are you just creating bigger, stronger seeds? Is it simply as simple as that, or do you have a way you feel like you manipulate it where you get more females?
4: Well, you're definitely going to get more females because it's being selfed off of a female plant. So, whenever it does that, you're going to get, you know, almost 100%. We've found. And we don't have a whole enough experience because this is a new fun revelation that we found in selfing plants.
3: We're all um, there, yeah. New
4: Yeah, we're really excited and it's been fun and we're just little small areas just to see what's going on what do they do and how yeah. do they grow out and we're really trying to solve a lot of problems well, with STS isol- right you now. Can,
1: you can isolate um, cannabinoids by doing it by self. And that's yeah, one, to Exactly. Do, to do it. Yeah, well, there's
4: a lot of reasons, um, and I don't self. think it's
1: like the way to breed or anything uh, like that. But it it can no. be used as a tool. So
4: yeah, and and really, this is such a small percentage of, of the breeding that we do. We do like beautiful males with with the females that we choose. We even do some open pollination. Um, but we've been really looking at the selfing lately because we're trying to solve the issue of the silver theosulfate, um, which is the feminization in hemp. So now Plus, we're really
1: it's, being it's faced. It's the compound.
4: Yeah, for but but specifically in hemp with um yeah. with, with one, this industry
1: and yeah, how and I how, love how I love, love what y'all, y'all
3: are trying it. to do because I know you it's don't want to totally do it toxic. using anything you want to figure out a way to do it
0: naturally, non toxic. Yeah. Yeah. You're all, all
3: about. I know that's what you're all about.
0: You the other one that loud. Wade louder um,
4: louder or laughter.
0: Wade laughter. I'm sorry. Wade laughter. Um, he recommended in the group. Um the jubilic acid with yeah right with colloidal silver
4: yeah yeah so there's people that are really coming up with some beautiful mixtures and we really encourage people out there you know study it find out some some really cool things that um people have used there's been natural uh, uh, plants and herbs and different concoctions that have been used to do feminization but we're really trying to do everything that we can to get away from the STS, which is the silver theosulfate, which is really highly toxic to your, your,
2: also you like, I'd like you guys to talk about like, you know, the stuff we talked about at dinner, you know, a month or so ago, you know, about, you know, it's, it's one thing to make feminized seed as a tool for planting seed to make seed as a re, you know to, to plant but but to like in a breeding sense like for instance and this is a really good example that i've i've actually it is real to me i have this alaskan thunderfuck and I've, I've actually wanted to connect with you kelly on this um i've had this cut for over 10 years and it's and it's, it's an insane cut no one has the right one in my mind so <laughs> either either i don't have the real atf or i don't but uh, it, what I have is really cool to me, and um, I, the, I've never found uh, any seed. And so I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll self this thing to create some seed, and then I'll I'll be able to dig through it and create some things down the line that would be viable. But I really, after after listening to a number of folks, just got cautioned on like the bottlenecking that that would create. And then it would be better for me to sort through some seed that had some ATF genetics in it, and then go back and try to find those traits in, in the, those offspring and like work with <clears> that. Is that vibe yeah. at all with? Yeah, yeah. I, think
4: that, I think that you, I think oh, go so. ahead you talk
5: I was was just gonna say it's not that you know there's no like danger in 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 selfing of course that but you know it's but um the the thing is just sort of a reduced variation you know you don't you can't expect to get which might be a good thing you know uh, but uh, for seeds if you want to plant a large outdoor crop it's a great idea but um, you know and start them from seed but but reduce variations just not exactly, probably not what you want for a breeding plan. That's the reason why, uh, you know, because it's just because you've got to have that variation to get your better plants to to improve because the the whole goal of breeding is to to go down a a plan, you know, to go down a number of generations and get better and better and increase these traits and add these traits together and create this thing which doesn't exist now, but we're going to put it together over time. And to do that, we need to get better and achieve things each generation. And so, lack of variation just works against that. That's the only thing about selfing. But, 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 but taking the female pollen of one plant and going on to another plant—I've um, done that a couple times, and that doesn't seem to reduce variation. A lot. It's kind of just like crossing any two plants. And then the added bonus is you still get a huge percentage of females. So that's really kind of a cool gig right there
3: i think there's two different styles of breeding though i think and you mentioned both of them and if they're for different points like you said one oh, yeah. one style of breeding is for breeding for new genetics that you can explore and exploit things you haven't found yet and others are for being stabilized so that you know you've got the medicine that you're counting on like for like you said a large crop or whatever so i think you have to look at it both ways. People can, it's still breeding. You're if it, it, Like, so if, if you're talking about selfing is what I talked about backbreeding, or, you know, uh, or I do, don't you call it inbreeding?
2: Or,
3: or is, am I wrong?
1: No, inbreeding, <laughs> you uh, breed with the same, like, with the same genetics inbreed line, you know, where you drink no. the same genetics over and over, but that's different than
5: selfing. I use the terms that that uh, that uh, animal breeders use, which are line breeding and inbreeding and inbreeding, especially inbreeding means specifically breeding from the same uh, breeding together plants of the same generation, brother and sister. Line breeding is the crossing of plants from different generations. So that would be included like if a back cross crossing a son back to a mother, for example, is a line breed so any intergenerational crossing is line breeding and it, it's 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 just uh it's a terminology that you don't really hear in regular plant breeders don't use it i don't think that but you know it's convenient because the animal breeders use it all the time and it and also because cannabis is male and female too so it it they they you know it's similar to the animal breeding in that way or it doesn't have to be. I mean, obviously, you can breed without the males and whatnot. Oh, I wanted to say another cool thing about males is that in defense of boys, <laughs> um, they, they they vary a lot. They vary coo- really a lot. It, generally, it, the unicorn it often is the boy. You know what I mean? I the, agree um, with,
1: I totally I agree with that. That's yeah. why when you do find a good male and you see how it reacts with other females, yeah. then that's often one that you might clone and keep yeah. around for a while
5: Yeah, don't keep males out of your life if you want to be a good breeder get get friendly with them get to know them because they yeah. they really they 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 are the ones often these outlying ones you know they're they're bell curvers and everything <laughs> so you know they you know they can really take your shit in new directions quickly <laughs>
4: Yeah, and we were, you know, I think one thing I wanted to go back to what Joshua, you were just mentioning yeah. is, you know, we are talking about feminizing and selfing and all of these very unnatural um, sort of progressions of the plant. It's definitely our intervention as human beings that we're coming in and being involved with this plant. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of ethics that are surrounding that. And I think that that's a really um, important topic in cannabis right now is and in hemp especially and and also in cannabis you know how can we respectfully breed and how can we respectfully carry on a lot of these lineages you know we've lost a tremendous amount of land races some people say there aren't really any even left because of you know this sort of haphazard breeding that we've been doing and i think that it's really important that you know, we're more ethical and we really think about the morality um, that we have and the responsibility that we have with the plant as well.
3: I do I think, think there personally that there are still some land race out there, and I know I'm talking with some people that have been around the world. Everybody sitting in them chairs that I'm looking at have been around the world, and I've been halfway around, but I've met a few people and talked with a few people. and of course, and when they've been handed the, or been to Africa, you know, to get, you know, land race seeds, I think that you possibly, there are some, and they, you know, that there's some breeders out there that are, uh, like, somewhat underground, let's say. Maybe they might be known, but they're not going to come out here, and, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, just like Kevin's recovering a skunk, Right. You know, and for most part, you could think, how could he do that? That's gotta be gone, but it's it's not gone. There's a lot of stuff that's not gone if you know the right people. And again, if you're a world traveler, you can find i still think there are some land rates but i do agree you know like you're it is getting it's like peat moss you know it's getting little you know it's, it's oh, yeah. a
1: lot. I, I, I think the land rates uh, you know in this point are in major conflict zones you know and but sometimes the conflict zones actually brings the soldiers, which then brings the weed, brings the seed, too. So that actually kind of doesn't work, too. And how
4: far back does land so, race really go? Yeah, so and how, I don't how far know, back does humanity we got go? Some,
1: we got some seeds uh, from Indonesia this year. And they, they, there's an area in the north of Sumatra called uh, the Aceh region. It's A-C-E-H. And it's um, Aceh is an acronym for Arabic, Chinese, European, and Hindustani because it's an area where there's been ancient trade and the spice trade for a lot of years. So Indonesia is super hardcore against cannabis and it's like the death penalty. And um, thank you, um, it's like the death penalty. And it's like, you know, it's like a no-go place for weed. There are spots in Indonesia and in Lombok or different areas where you can go and you can find weed around, but you really, it's not around, but it's all grown in this area of North Sumatra. so that would be an area that really hasn't been tainted by probably travelers, in my opinion, because it's really strict Islamic.
4: And even though there's like a a lockdown as far as government, this is something that, you know, when I was in the Aceh region right after the tsunami, we set up a free uh, clinic for women and children. Right. And, uh, you know, the men would come into the clinic and I would ask them, you know, whatever kind of ailments or whatever they had going on. I would ask them, you know, well, how much do you smoke a day? And they would have one pack of their, you know, cannabis, and on this side another pack of their tobacco. And they would say, you know, I have four of these a day and six of these a day, and it was part of their daily diet. And um, they didn't really see it as anything that was bad or wrong. There's a lot of areas in Indonesia. That isn't, you know, they're not following governmental laws necessarily. Which is super it's weird. Very
1: because we're sitting in Bali, which is like this super epic Hindu spot, and you can't smoke weed. And then they're up this super hardcore Islamic area, and everyone's walking around with weed in their pocket. And like, it's like kind of, it doesn't really totally make sense. But, but they talk about getting herb from India. Like back in the 16 and 1700s, the Dutch, because it's a Dutch colony, they had the Dutch people brought seeds from India. So how much of a land race is it if it was brought from Dutch, you know, from India or whatever? But, you know, we also got seeds from Thailand.
3: Yeah, I I wouldn't consider that a land race at all. You know, we're talking about you walking through the jungle and you find a plant that's like 40 yards long and, you know, uh, sativa. And that's a land race, you know uh now i mean that's what i think a land race is and, and well
1: we I mean, grew out, we've grown out a bunch of land races we grew out some land race from the himalayan connection um online and uh, it was some milana cream and i mean there's an argument you know we can, we can debate on whether it's technically a land race but the way that it grew was crazy flowers super tall not really buds you know plants and that had like Craziest flowers ever, you know. You can't, you're like, you didn't like recognize flowers, but they did yeah. still make really amazing hash. Um, I see your
3: argument, though. I do, I, I see your argument about like, oh, the Dutch brought it over there. Okay, so I agree with you. That's not really, but it might be a rare, it's, it's very indigenous it
1: it in ad- at that point. It might what
6: be when when it's hundreds of years. years
1: when it's hundreds but of mean, yeah, is, without being tainted. I think you know,
3: it's tainted
5: bad weed
1: we've
5: been carrying we we i think I, I sometimes i think it's our role to move to move genetics around the world i think it's one of our it's one of the things we do, that humans do in the ecosystem is we
1: <laughs> we That's transport cool. genetics around we stir shit up dude exactly it's yeah. pure folly to think that anything's pure in in that sense because it's been constantly you know been changing hands and we we always we we fully believe that that humans have been circling the earth for millions of years
5: and That's i think true. we've been messing around with cannabis for a long time man
1: i yeah. think
4: since been- <laughs> the beginning first sure you know it,
1: that kind of brings up for me you know right now with things that are happening with you know phylos and and breeders and different things you know there's there's a lot of people that want to maybe jeopardize that, themselves um by uh patenting you know genetics or something like that but really it's just its we're all in an evolution right now and um yeah can,
3: can i go back to something you said about you know guys this blew me away earlier but it was in your introduction so i didn't want to interrupt you but i really want to ask about like forever thailand you could do anything you fucking want to do in thailand you can have anything you can do whatever you want to do but if you took a ounce of weed in there. It was a death penalty. So can you elaborate on what you were talking about with their Thailand's actually having a medical marijuana program or what it, you know, can you elaborate on Thailand a little bit? Cause I'm extremely interested in that after the way their history runs. You know. So
4: in yeah.
1: Thailand they did. You want
4: to? Oh yeah. In Thailand, they have been talking with Malaysia. There's been a lot of communication. Um, back and forth with different Southeast Asian countries and governments, I think it's the, is it?
6: Um,
4: And they've created a medical program uh, that there is up and running right now. As of like over a month and a half ago, they've got medical, they've got licenses to be able to consume it. They aren't going to necessarily be allowing um, cultivation of it but because they were saying they'd be importing it. So it's all really kooky in the same way that all the other governments are stepping into cannabis, I think. But the main point is that, you know, people are going to be able to get access to it.
1: And I could elaborate a little, a little bit more if you want, which is, it sounds like
3: they're following the U- I want you to elaborate, but I want to say on what Kelly said, it sounds like they're following the same pattern as the U S like, it's being grown cuz you can definitely get some good weed in thailand but uh but uh, it's yeah. not legal it's not legal uh, but well, you it, can you
1: it, it smoke it as long as you don't bring it in or take it out you know
3: but what do you want to say elaborate I, my it,
1: so it's really crazy because you know a few years ago in thailand there was mass killings happening by the government to drug right. and and like you know up to 30,000 people they were talking about getting killed in the drug wars in just one year and uh um, you know, they they were really hardcore about it. And I think that it's just like, they know what's happening in the West. So I think what happens in America does affect different places in the world. And since Thailand's definitely its own country and they're definitely their own people, but, you know, do pay attention to what's happening in the West. Um, and what Kelly was saying in Malaysia, it's really significant is that is a, Malaysia and Indonesia were the two countries that were really, I mean, in Thailand they were gunning down drug dealers, but the fact that there were drug dealers at all said that there was a culture there in Malaysia and in Indonesia. It, it, there's less of that even because there's so much of a drug law there. So in Malaysia, there was a, a person, I don't know his name you can, people can look it up, but he was giving away cannabis oil to people that were terminally ill that didn't have, You know anything that could work in the (laughs) medical system? So at risk uh,
3: of death, at risk of death.
1: Yeah. So he got busted like last August or something, and they gave him the death penalty. And the death penalty um, got fought in the court system. So he's fought in the court system for medical legalization in Malaysia. So it's it's mind blowing that in Malaysia they're actually considering medical legalization. Um, in Thailand, they're considering yeah. legalization, but um, we're, we've been in communication with awesome people um, in uh, Thailand, uh, <laughs> and they're saying that the medical program that's coming there is just fully uh, corporate medical grows and um, university grows. Not
4: surprising. So
1: they're, there's, they're not trying to, you know... They're regulating Benefit it. Benefit the farmers of Thailand that have been growing <laughs> the Northern Thai all these so, years.
3: Yeah. It is true cha-ching.
1: that everywhere you go in the world, you know, different countries are all following really the same kind of pattern.
4: Well, governments are corporate. They're ruled by corporate. And so, of course, they're going to speak best to the corporate And make money
3: for corporate. They'll make make laws best. and regulate for corporate. The good money. thing
4: is, the great news is that the more that people are talking about it, it normalizes cannabis. It's bringing cannabis back out. And the more that we can even just normalize it in regular society, that's the first step. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Unfortunately, you know, her first coming out is a little bit rocky and she's not, you know, dressed as pretty as she probably should be, you know, in the way that people are treating her. But I think that there's a lot of people who are doing really beautiful breeding. I think people are doing beautiful farming practices, regenerative. ideas in agriculture and we're getting able to test soil in ways that we've never been able to before. We're starting to test the endophytic reaction in plants and regenerative soils and medicines for the first time in the way that we weren't able to before. So there's a lot of like through way with it too. And, and the plant is just, she's moving into, you know, regular living rooms all over the world for people to have conversations about.
3: And the whole the world in general has been ahead of the U.S. in in medicine, and the open mindedness to allow things to be medicine for the most part. And going back to what you were saying about Thailand, about the money, the U.S. imposed where they would stop cutting, they would cut off all aid to these companies, these countries like Thailand that had death penalty they, for for you know all these other countries that have death. They just went extreme because they were getting millions of dollars or billions of dollars from the U.S. for aid. And U.S. said, if you don't impose strict drug laws, even though that doesn't necessarily suit your uh, community uh, or, or lifestyle, uh, we're going to cut off your aid. So the governments went, went overboard. That's, that's from an old guy saying this is back you know, a long time ago. And that's how a lot of these laws in these foreign countries really happen. Now, some countries were that way. But a lot of the countries were because the U.S. imposed their will, you know, and, and threatened to cut off aid, you know. But um, anyway, that, well, I mean, we, that was something I, I threw in from, uh, you know, a while back. Sorry, again, we were in
1: Jamaica. We found that it was also really corporate cannabis that was taken over in on the island i mean there's you know the rastafari people you know have been growing weed forever and you would think that you know that there would be some kind of heritage clause or something that would like you know bring them in but they often felt like it was just either big money coming in from the outside from from bigger companies collaborating or you know maybe it was through the government too so it it is true it's really similar in every country
4: yeah you know I just. Take a minute, I've been seeing Tara Lee, Miss Tara Lee down there, girl. It's so nice to see you. Hey! you nice oh chair, my God, cool. I miss you guys. It's so I nice really to see you. I really like you. You are just such a love. I just am loving talking to you and I can't wait to get together with you again. And even though we're doing it virtually, it's really nice to see your shining face. For all of you out there who don't know who this beautiful woman is, she is behind the scenes, really trying to and bring a lot of energy farmers wow. and thank you so much girl for your work wow in kelly that's wow thank you
6: Really honored by that thank you
4: yep. thank it's you it's true your your connection with the plant is deep and um and it's very personal and uh and i really honor that with you it. and it really shines with the connections and and the information that you're willing to share with the world so so appreciate you holy cow thanks <laughs> didn't expect that
6: wow thank you <laughs> i love you guys a lot man you guys you guys mean a lot to me i i knew i had to come up to bc and meet you guys i knew that that was Josh putting on this conference and bringing us all together. And I got to go spend the weekend with Potem and man, we had a great time up at Four Twenty. And, and now look at this, this is great. Thanks guys.
4: Yeah. So what are you doing, girl? What's going
6: on? What's I, was, I was working outside all day today. It felt so good to finally be outside. So awesome. Austin- Out with my chickens and my geese and getting ready for my uh, putting straw on my beds and I was watering everything, getting my ground ready, trying to figure out where I'm gonna put my vegetables this year. So yeah, it's great. Checking on my seeds and they're got to put them out in the sunshine today. So yeah.
4: Awesome. What are you smoking on there? Uh super lemon haze, my
6: favorite, you know. Always super lemon haze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you guys like my rosin? I have to ask. Honest, honest opinion, what was your favorite one? Do you remember
1: the one in the pink container, but I don't remember the name that
6: one. was bubble kush, or no, that it was, was- uh, Budokong. kong It was Buda kong actually. That was yeah,
1: that was nice. Yeah. That, one that was it's very
6: fruity smelling, right? Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. We were all like, Woo, Tara. Yeah. <laughs> They were They're all, all good. good it was really hard to pick a favorite i can't even really remember a favorite i just remember sampling them all and feeling like these are rad really hey, really they
3: all taste good yeah
4: thank you yeah it was fun glad glad i got to
6: see you guys
4: and meet with you that was awesome yay we've got lots more time in the future to hang out we've got work to do cool i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> awesome I see that, uh, Josh dropped,
6: dropped out Dutch. I was going to say something. Dude,
0: uh, but
3: he dropped out. What? Yeah, he did drop out. Yeah. He, yeah. But he's always busy, so he's always a lot so, of
6: time. So we have like a really loyal listener, that um, Curious Cannabis Connoisseur Duckfoot. He is like all about Duckfoot. I know really nothing about the Duckfoot. And, you know, it would be nice if we probably a little touched on that. What do you guys think? Huh? do you guys know anything know. about the duckfoot?
5: foot no, no. yeah foot. steve yeah, knows me, a lot right? yeah. steve's the steve's the expert on duckfoot He keeps a, asking
6: it's, and it's
0: in chat mutation. mutation there's a mutation there's no association with abc which a lot of people get confused because it's similar shape to
4: shape structure yeah. we've even had um some odd duck foots out of some of our breeding, you know, like because back in well. the day, we would, you know, breed thousands and thousands of seeds all at once. And maybe every couple of years we would get a duck foot and or all different types of super cool mutations. So I don't have a whole lot of experience working with it. They didn't necessarily do so great in the garden or anything. Yeah, I know so it was something
0: that was I'd love I, to know some the more first stuff. time I heard about it on a bark ember.
4: That was the first time I remember seeing. It. Yeah, and I've heard people mention it, but it's not something that I've ever bred with or anything that we've mm-hmm. wanted to cultivate with. But if there's people out there that know some cool shit about duck, but that's great. Okay, well, yeah, he he seems to be really into it. So maybe we'll have to talk to him after. On,
0: uh, maybe on, a, on another another time we'll get to it. So, um, you, uh, I think you need to get rolling.
4: I do. Thanks so much. It was awesome chatting with you guys. Lovely seeing your beautiful faces. Thanks um, for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really awesome having you here, and here for tomorrow. And yep. yay! And uh, Miss Tarley, hope to see you soon. And thank y'all so much, Mr. Green Jeans. Beautiful to see you again. Awesome talking to you. Thank you for all of your knowledge that you share so openly with everybody. It's so incredibly valuable take care y'all
1: thanks and roger. Oh,
4: roger. roger i didn't see i thought you were out on there roger roger sitting halfway on the screen you. No, you roger, are a I'm, golden person what a beautiful soul i just i was so stoked to meet you in michigan and be able to hang out with you and i'm really looking forward to some future
3: conferences yeah.
4: you're such a big hearted person well the way
3: you guys treated me i i just it, it just lit my world up every you know from when the first person i met was wendy you know because uh, i was in there trying to find where to i talked to steve on the phone or no i hadn't talked to steve on the phone yet because i hadn't you know i just got my i had to get my computer hooked up so i had steve's phone number on my computer and and then i was down at the front desk and Wendy was sitting there going to buy a Coke or something, you know, and, and she turns around and goes, Roger. And, you know, it a over, you know, and I tell you, I, I, I just from that. And then, then right when we got all through talking, we were having a great time with the desk, the girl at the desk. And then we decided, well, we're going to go to our room. So Wendy goes down to her room and i go to the elevator and the girl at the desk, who had been talking to her. She knew all about what we were doing, who we were. And she goes, they're here they're here and uh <laughs> i ran out there and steve tried to sneak up on me big lanky steve tried to sneak up on me behind the pillar, <laughs> but uh and then I, you know, I got you know it was nothing but hugs and uh, welcoming and i can't even believe how um great a group of people that that all of you people are that that all that all you are Uh, because i you do what i i believe in is taking care of other human beings i'm not i don't care about religion or government as much as we have to keep taking care of all the human beings and and that's where people get lost with these arguments about this or that you know in the end it's just human beings and uh you guys traveling around and what you have put together you know nobody even mentioned the Dempure thing that you put together which is a, you know phenomenal to me to see that you guys have worked that hard to get that many farms in different countries all in a group uh that you're doing so thank you you know uh because you've motivated many people and Josh and and um uh, I was gonna try. I was actually. It's funny you said I was not really there, but I was just getting ready to try to queue up that video. But we'll do that another time, or I'll send it. I'll send it to you if I can cut it down because I have a video that takes movies, so I have to work on it to get it small enough to email it. Or I'll put it on YouTube.
0: I'll do it, Roger. We'll do that offline.
3: Yeah, yeah. But I can even email it to you. I can put it on YouTube and email you a link. So. Yeah, but cool. thank you guys. Bye, Kelly. So the thank love you go. showed me, that's all I want to say. Everybody showed me so much love, and thank you. I'm, well, I'm
2: I felt the same that way, way.
4: You, Roger. You were showing everybody such good love and good hugs and good energy. You were just setting the tonality for everybody to just have a great time. So I love y'all. Have a great evening.
0: Have y'all have a
3: nice time. It looks beautiful out there. wish I was there. <laughs>
1: So
6: yes,
1: yeah, it's Yeah, it's getting starting to get chilly. And, getting
6: cold. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks
3: getting cold. It's still live. Yeah, we're still alive it's getting cold.
1: No doubt, no doubt.
3: Just be careful. We're still live.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what we'll, uh, no,
3: matters? Who the hell's gonna come up there and mess with you guys? Yeah.
1: So we're and you mentioned here and the and the, the the farms and the collective and different things. So we have to you know things that we're working with we have farms that we're certifying pure certified which means they have not only are they using organic you know inputs it's more about what organic inputs and where are they from and and we've already talked about this on online a bit but it's about you know knowing your farm and knowing what kind of soils you're working with and that's part of what we've done at the conference is just learn how to analyze your soils And uh, also work with genetics. So all of our farms produce their own seed and can't buy, you know, uh, clones from big operations that may be tainted because our end end goal is to have medicine that's clean for the market, you know, and clean for, for medicine and people. So that's what the pure certification of pure certified farms is about.
3: Is that a requirement, uh, Josh, that you have to have your own genetics that you've made on? Is that one of the loops that you have to have in order to get I, certified?
1: It's not a requirement that you you have to only okay. grow your own genetics. No, we're, okay. we're big on sharing genetics with each other and stuff. I think it's just it's a requirement that you it's not a requirement to grow from seed. Most of us do grow from seed because we really like breeding and we really like the vigor that comes from seeds and it's just genetically it, it helps climatize genetics and 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 things for your area and um, um for sure we work with clones as well all of us as farms and farmers we work with clones because you know if we're doing you know we might like certain a certain cannabinoid profile and some farms might grow a whole greenhouse of one clone because it's really good for hashing or it's really good for, um, so there are different reasons, but the main thing would be, you know, if you were getting clothes, where are you getting them from? So we would go through that whole process of making sure that everyone's totally understanding of how, when you have an extract, if it's tainted, you know, tainted with uh, pesticide residue or herbicide residue. So
3: so I know uh, the other thing is you've got, an ex, you've got a number of closed loops. That you have to have in order to be Dem Pure certified,
1: right? Yeah. And yeah. So we chose to have six closed loops to be part of a farm. So that was the way to just go beyond it's it's a way of showing that you've gone beyond just having organic inputs. It's a way of showing that you're giving back to the environment. So the idea of the certification was that our <laughs> farm was environmentally positive. You know, that we part of the requirements is to grow food. Another part of the requirements is to have flowers and, and pollinator gardens or bird houses and bee houses so that we're enhancing the environment. Even if you're growing indoors, you know there's people that you're, you're still growing an outdoor garden with food, just because it's good for humanity. and I think it's good for business for us to be healthy and, and think about gardens. So a closed loop would be maybe that you're growing your own nutrients, maybe that you're growing your own food, uh, maybe that you have a worm farm, uh, maybe that you make your own seed or that you have solar energy. Or, or so if you're using chickens or you're using, you know, crop rotation, or if you're using um, uh you know, you can just imagine, you know, anything that's alternative, anything that's kind of, you know, a cycle that's, that's going on top of itself, like in permaculture systems work on top of cells. And so, so I got
3: a question for you then today. I went, got up at daybreak and I went out there. while the dew was still on all my dandelions and I pulled up a bunch of dandelions and I chopped them up and I mixed them up in my brown sugar and I got them outside in the mason jar. So how close am I to having a closed loop on that? What what else has to? Well, I have to use them as a nutrient, which is furthering the loop. But where yeah. does the loop close?
1: Well, I mean, words are limiting and, and also they're freeing. So, you know, a closed loop would just be basically like when one cycle laps on top of another cycle. So you know that that to me is a closed loop, and it's you know biodynamic certifications and Demeter certifications out there, and other people that use the term closed loop. And so if you have dandelions growing in your in your yard, you could eat the dandelions for lettuce and food, and you could consider that a closed loop because you didn't have to go to the store, and it was produced on your farm. You know, you can pull the dandelion root up. And dry it out and make tea out of it for yourself or your plants, and that's really extremely good too. You can take dandelions, ferment them in a fermented plant juice, and that's that would be, today,
3: yeah.
1: And that would be you making your own nutrients. So to us, that's a closed loop. You know, you might be, you might have water flowing down your property, and you can use a pelt wheel, and um, you, uh, you produce electricity, hydroelectricity, and or you that. move a, a gear runs fans you know um, making compost. there's a lot of different ways to make compost that you, whether you have animals, you might have a field that feeds your animals and that animal you know poops and you make manure out of it that feeds the, the plants. In the end, these systems that we're talking about end up creating a healthier piece of land. They connect farmers to the land they create a better story for farms and farm to table style relations. And a lot of farms either have to sell to distributors and um, you know, sell off their, their existence and their identity, or they have to create an identity for themselves. And having closed loops kind of becomes part of your identity. You become proud of it. And you become showing how you're making the world a better place. And uh, we feel like with cannabis, it's like it's spiritual, you know, to smoke it. It's, it's, it feels good, it's natural. and so you know use that inspiration to create natural systems on your property. Um, but in the end, it really has proven to be a good thing because most of our farms all are passing all of our tests. and we aren't ha- and, and it is a big problem in California. Heavy metals are um, coming through and tests from different sprays and extract people are having a hard time gathering supplies. Up here in Canada, farms are still really branding themselves and be, and getting licensed. So you're, you're not going to see as many Canadian farms yet, but microbials are a big problem. maybe change their laws to maybe more like California or something else where it's pathogenic fungi. Rather than um, but I'm going off right now on, on just, you know, different subjects at the moment. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Right.
3: Passionate. Right. There's no doubt you're passionate about it. So you're you like your brain keeps going. Oh, but I have this problem I want to talk about. But wait. Well, anyway, the,
1: the, the farms are basically just the example of making the world a better place. If 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 right. big agriculture is killing us, and and maybe big medical pharmaceutical things is. Maybe it's helping us, but it's also it's killing our flora and our ability to, to digest and just like the, the flora and the of the, the soil microbe, the soil food web, you know, modern agriculture is killing us. So we're using these farms as an example of how you can make the world a better place. And we're proud of it. And that's what the pure certification is pure certified farms, create pure medicine and anything that happens with that biomass to oil or to edibles has the ability to be pure certified. Right. The pure collective that we're creating, which is when we talk about the collective, now that's different companies that that are resources to our farms. That might be extract companies like Full Circle CO Two's one CO Two um, company in Eugene that helps farms um, to make sure that their products are not you know diluted or mixed with someone else's farms, and they have control over the the purity of their product. That's one example. Um, there's uh, Triometry is another um, new person that's really you know awesome in Northern California that's working with pure certified farms. So we kind of create a sacred commerce within our group where we can connect medical, really um, conscious medical companies with really medical.
3: I love it. Medical. Farmers,
1: yeah. you know, farmers to where they can they if a, if a medical you know medical company or medical or even a, a nutraceutical company. Has a great idea. They want to get their farm. I mean, they want to get their product from a farm that has good intentions. They can come to the pure, you know, certified farm. So the collective is lawyers that can help us with law, with law. It's soil biologists. It's you know Elaine Ingham. It's it's Layton Morrison. Um, Scotto Granola's is, is on there to help farmers. Uh, you know, you know, we've worked with. You know a lot of different people to to be on there so we're trying to create a network that supports farms so we can all exist five years from for example
6: there's a um, question in chat um do you certify vegetable farms and i'm yes,
1: assuming we, yes yes yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I we do certify vegetable farms and there and there are part of our requirements for the pure certification for ganja farmers is that they grow food so that's that's because we love food. And so when we're in the world, we're in Indonesia and we're in other places, it's kind of like ganja farmers are still kind of the black sheep to the farming world. So it's been almost like a little weird to integrate with food farmers sometimes. But yes, you know, a food farm that is using, you know, natural farming techniques or, or closed loop systems, biodynamic food farms, you know, we want to work with you. We don't necessarily, we're not trying to be just associated with cannabis. We're trying to be associated with conscious farming and dynamic living. You know, we want to be healthy on all. So yes, thank you for asking, please get in touch with us.
6: Yeah,
1: very cool. Um, Yeah, and that's what we do on our farm. And Steve can tell you what it's like on our farm. You know, we have kind of an integrated food and cannabis greenhouse. Um, thing going on because we try and save a lot of our food you've seen our pantry yep. we have you know a lot of food that we've saved and and jarred and canned and stuff so I know we believe in a healthy way of life uh, we know everyone some people live in Sao Paulo because we're just working with this ganja talks from Brazil and 20 million people live in the city of Sao Paulo I mean how connected to nature can you be but still there's people that want to eat well and still, there's farms outside that can help them. So it's a global mission, really. It is for us, we're, but we're still small farmers on the hill in British Columbia.
6: Not for long.
1: But the impact is big because I think people want to do good, and I think they want to feel healthy. And I don't. If you're a cop, you still might get cancer, and and if there's nothing else that can help you, but like maybe cannabis medicine. And it really doesn't give it doesn't matter at all what lot, walk, walk of life you're from, and really that's our our biggest love is breaking down the boundaries, maybe being more like mycelium, you know be more like you know fungi not having boundaries you know we can all we, maybe we're all just creatures of the earth so
6: that brings up another question in chat speaking of fungus. what type of funguses do you grow on your property
1: well, uh, we were walking around with Steve recently and one of the, we don't have a lot of ground, um, natural wild fungi in the same way as like the coast or in Oregon. Oh, we found a, found a morel. Right we have morels and, and there's areas where you can find chanterelles and there's a lot of matsutakes and pine mushrooms. A lot of wild mushrooms. There's a lot of polypores. There's a lot of medicinal mushrooms in our forest. So we use that in our medicine. What, what yeah, do we use? what what we use on our farm is is mostly plugged spawn for for wood so we'll take um deciduous trees and get reishi or a lion's mane um shiitake can be good and we do, and we'll plug logs and we'll use those logs to build up our uh, raised beds and in some cases in the case like reishi you can bury medicinal mushroom logs into the soil so um, learning how to do plug spawn um, and log culture is a really great way to utilize the, um, you know, on your homestead as well. Um, so we like that. Garden giants are another one that are, is kingstropharia is another easy one because it, it eats biomass um, very vigorously and can live in compost and in and, and garden beds. So um, we try and keep that spawn alive. Um, by digging big channels in our garden and then covering it and like, we'll dig our aisles out and then pile material in our aisles and then cover the aisles and walk on the aisles and build mass throughout the garden. So, um, we don't have oyster on the property at the moment, but we have used oyster mushrooms. Oyster mushrooms can, um, inoculate straw really well if you just cook it and, uh, Pasteurize the straw a little bit. Um, you can use oyster mushrooms pretty well. Um, <clears throat> so those are some of the quick homestead mushrooms that we grow um, in the area. We do a lot of lactic acid bacteria cultures. That's not a mushroom, but that is a culture, and that's kind of more natural farming stuff.
3: So, so when you say log log, uh, you're talking about hugel method. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Uh, Well, not necessarily. Um, A human method would be a way to build garden beds or swales by burying logs. So that is using logs. When I say log culture for mushrooms, what you're doing is you're buying plugs that have been inoculated with mycelium. They've been colonized by living mycelium, such as reishi mycelium. Or um, maitake, shiitake, um, lion's mane, if I didn't say that. Yeah. But, but um, that, that's four mushrooms that grow really pretty well in garden situations. So you can you have to take fresh logs and not logs that have been sitting down on the forest floor because they may already have um, other, other fungi in them. You have to take fresh trees and cut oh. them and cut lengths and then seal them with uh some kind of soy wax so that you don't have any kind of uh competing fungi and then you drill with a drill drill um, you drill in little little bits into the log and you put the plugs into the log and then you cover the plugs with wax and then those plugs eat through the fresh living lignin of the tree and and there's sort of sweet carbohydrates that live within trees and it feeds the fungi and that's that's called a log culture that's that's using plugs spawn because you're you're using mushrooms spawn and you're colonizing plugs and then you're using the plugs to colonize the log and some
6: is so cool cool is that yeah that is cool
3: (laughs) yeah Takes a little digging, but then you get you know get these people to give up them secrets.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's something that is really fun to use. And in some cases, like mytoki and and rishi, you can bury the logs straight into the your your living beds with just the top of it um, uh, above the soil, and it'll sprout rishi. And it's and it's sweet to see medicinal mushrooms sprouted underneath like ganja trees, you know. I mean, that's like it's kind of like that's the coolest thing ever, you know, is to have like medicinal mushrooms and weed growing together. So
6: okay, new goal this
1: year: under my cannabis trees. <laughs> yeah, give it a try, and and shiitakes could be maybe uh, uh, takis could be used for the long uh raised bed logs. Be also well yeah you can you could try a Nokia. you can try that different environments allow you to do different things yeah that's a good for yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yep. check into some of your local mycology your local areas there's there's people who do plugs on it's pretty fun now do it in the springtime when there's a lot of water in the tree, there's a lot of water pulsing through trees in springtime to feed the leaf growth, and that's a good time to get uh, your logs and and plug them with spawn, yeah. And mushrooms, um, having mushrooms growing underneath your, uh, your cannabis is really crucial because the cool thing about mushrooms is they grow, I'm sorry, they breathe the same as human beings, so a fungi exhales carbon dioxide and inhales oxygen, and a plant, you know, as we know, exhales oxygen and inhales carbon dioxide. So if you have a really healthy fungal community in your soil, which is really what we're trying to get, is a lot more fungal qualities in our soil, and that's why hugel and and having stubble and and hay and 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 stuff in your soil is good because it builds fungi because fungi eats carbon but when you have a big you know fun fungal colony it just it breathes with your plant and it feeds your natural cold co2 to the plant it's 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 yeah and some cultivators like if you really want to get heady with cultivation it's really fun to outdoors to you can grow um a lot of these um Culture is also in bag spawn and you can have greenhouses right next to your other cannabis greenhouse and you could have a covered greenhouse with with fungi growing in it and you could pipe in you could air pipe in the co2 into a cannabis greenhouse and it would be like a really beautiful way to you know have a kind of two greenhouses next to each other symbiotically working together with with each other.
6: Do you want to talk about maybe what some of the mushrooms your guys' medicinal mushrooms? In fact, Josh gave me some of your guys's cocoa. I'm so excited to try it. I was just gonna order some, and uh, while I was over there visiting Josh, he gave me some.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So medicinal mushrooms. Um, some people think, oh, that's you know, is that gonna you know make me feel weird or whatever? And that that's not what we're we're working with here medicinal mushrooms that when we say that um and then there are lots of areas where that the other kind of mushrooms make a lot of sense you guys can find that out on your own but our medicinal mushrooms are immune boosting so that's why they're medicinal is because they're they're immune boosting and often a word that i'd like people to look up is nootropic so nootropic is a is a word that means like you know a, a basic term is like a smart Compound where it, it it's good because it's a good word for us because we're into regenerative living and what a, a nootropic compound regenerates cells and regenerates life. So, um, a lot of medicinal mushrooms are nootropic, and lion's mane is one of our favorite ones that's nootropic because it feeds your brain and it feeds your cognitive function. And you know who who doesn't want to keep your brain healthy and, and cognitively functional? Um, I definitely do. And especially as you age, you know, I think it becomes more and more important. So medicinal mushrooms often grow on trees and, and the type of mushrooms that they are called polypores. And that difference between a tree mushroom and a ground mushroom is ground mushrooms often have gills unless they're bolets, And then that's more like a sponge. But ground mushrooms have, you know, a different way to 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 export their spores polypores grow on trees and they have lots of pores underneath their their conch shape and that's why they're called a polypore and and the conch is sometimes people call them conks because it kind of looks like a conch on a tree there's different ones there's artist conch there's the red belted conch which is the fomatopes is pinnacola um the artist conch is the Ganoderma there's the Amadou, which is the Fomus fomentarius. There's the Chaga, which is the inanotus obliquus. Um, there's the Birch polypore, which is the uh, Piptoporus betulinus. And I know all those because I really, really love them. And they do grow in our area quite a bit. Um, so, you know, one thing we overlook is trees are longevity beings. They live for 10, 20, 100, 1,000 years. And so.
3: Majestic.
1: Often, yeah, often these mushrooms are, are growing on trees that are dying. But sometimes, in the case of chaga, it can grow symbiotically with the tree while it's living. But a lot of the compounds in tree longevity compounds. So, chaga, for example, has. SOD is called superoxide dismutase, And that's longevity. And Chaga is the has the highest amount of SOD compounds comp- of any of any which ORAC rating is what you use to um, to uh, judge or to gauge antioxidants within a plant. So Chaga has the hey, most. Hey Josh,
6: antio- I'm sorry to cut you off, sorry. but we missed. Like, can you back up? Like, all of that was really robotic. You guys cut out.
1: Oh shit. Okay, so where'd you sorry. leave off? All-
6: sorry. Um, where were we? you were just starting to explain. Um, we were into the pores and the gills. The, Chaga. the, the Chaga. Chaga. There you go. Yes.
3: And it, get, it started. Pick, it started kind of flanging out. Yes. You know, okay. connection. Yeah. Connection.
1: Chaga is great because it grows on birch and birch has betulinic acid and betulinic acid is one of the most healing compounds to humans and birch, you know, used by the Siberian shamans, you can drink the birch bark, you can drink the the birch, there's birch, you've seen a birch beer. Um, uh, So chaga synthesizes that betulinic acid um, and it has... The most sods which is a superoxide dismutase which is a, a longevity enzyme so chaga has the most longevity enzymes out of any mushroom or any herb on the earth and that's really excellent um i'm going slower <laughs> um but also uh there is uh, antioxidants and orac ratings and so chaga has the most orac ratings um you guys know about the ice man who that they found in italy Uzi um is it is the ice man and, and that yeah. that was up you know you heard about it
5: oh yeah yeah or er, Uzi, er, i thought he was fun yeah I don't exactly think i know about him yeah i'll He's
1: have like, to look it up okay go uh, ahead it was like nine thousand years old, from what I remember. You can people can look it up, but it's about nine thousand years old, and it was found. I don't know if it was ten or twenty years ago, but I'll it was it was in the Alps of Italy, Alps in the Italy, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh shit, there's there's a body," and so it was this fully intact human being uh, from nine thousand years ago, and it had you know, so they were able to analyze the clothing of of this of this person and. And what was in his stomach, what he was eating. And um, from a mycologist's point of view, is interesting because there was three mushrooms around his neck in a necklace. And there was also those mushrooms in his belly. And so one of those mushrooms was chaga. And that's good because it's immune boosting, keeps you alive. You can drink it in tea. You can also use chaga as a tinder to keep the flame alive, you know, from camp to camp. Um, then they had the birch polypore, and the birch polypore is an uh, uh, a, uh, antiparasitical and antifungal and antibacterial. So that would be a really, really good mushroom to have around if you are battling any kind of ailment or sickness. Um, and the other one was the amadou, and the amadou is the Fomus fomentarius, which is another tinder conch. Which is one that you can bring the flame from one camp to the next. Um, you can also make a hat out of it and do different things. So we really love mushrooms, and they—they they also, also is that
6: the one your hat's made out of? Then say you what is that the one your hat's made out of? You have a mushroom yeah, The hat
1: that made out. is yeah. made out of the amadou, which is made out of the Fomus Fomentarius, which we got in Romania, and. Um, you know, we Paul stamens does have the hat, and we did learn about you know it through him originally, but we didn't know where it was from or how it was made. And if people are interested, we could tell you, but because we did go to Romania and learn learn about that.
6: Yeah, go ahead and talk about it a little bit, because actually people have asked me questions about that.
1: Any anything else you want to say before we wrap? So
0: um, my battery's dying, and um, we only oh, have a little bit of time left before we're going be to be to cut out. All right, uh, I thought
3: it might be the problem. You might have a battery because you're out
0: there. You know. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're we're in the middle. Of, you know, we're, we're lovely
3: show, man. Josh and Kelly and and you. Know, well, do what you got to do, Steve. You talk, my brother. Okay, we're, gonna,
0: we're gonna wrap things up. I think um, just because we're uh, we're a little bit limited on, on time here at the moment on my end. So, um, is there anything else you wanted to tell everybody about? Uh, um.
1: Give love to people. Do your best. Uh, try to do the love, right? And, uh, we appreciate you. Um, is there, uh, how do people find out about you and them pure and all the other ones? So, we have na- um, natural organic products made from micro herbs with mycorrhizal and bacteria, and really awesome. They work really good with compost teas and compost extracts. And you can find Dragonfly Earth Medicine products at dragonflyearthmedicine.com. You can also find um, our superfood cacao drinks, which are raw cacao with medicinal mushrooms in them. We also have a pure six medicinal mushroom blend that people can um, get the mushrooms and they can make medicine out of. And that's all on dragonflyearthmedicine.com. Um, you can find out about Dragonfly um about Pure Certified Farms at DEMPureFarms.com. And on that website, you can learn about the closed loops that we talked about. You can find links to all the farms that are Pure Certified and they are all really beautiful people. Um, we um, helped start this this ball, but we really feel it's the farms themselves that really make it shine. So we're really, really feel blessed to be a part of you know we, we started it but we, we it's not us that really keeps it going it's all the farms and how amazing they are so really look up pure certified farms you can look up dem pure hashtags or pure family <clears throat> hashtags um it's a beautiful network of intentional farms really making a difference on earth and they're in multiple countries and uh soon to be food farms there are some a lot of farms that we work with grow foods Um, you know quite a bit of food and commercially too so and also the pure collective um, will also be represented on the dempurefarms.com website and soon we're going to be able to create a website which creates commerce for all of these farms that are making cbd products and products that we can sell to the world and internationally so what we're doing is working on creating a network and a website where people from the world can purchase um, from the farms of the collective so it can all be kind of gathered in one spot. And that's how we can create autonomy with our farms, but create strength through working together. So um, thank awesome. you. Thank you, Steve, for this opportunity to, to talk about what we're doing. Thank you, Mr. Green Jeans and Roger and Tara, everyone here, everyone online. We're really blessed to walk this path with you. We're really dedicated to um you know, the human race and humus beings.
0: Yep.
3: Awesome. Love we that. love you. We look we love you guys, man. We do. It's like it was a pleasure meeting you in Michigan and I, I we're gonna walk we are gonna continue this path, no doubt about yeah. it. You know,
1: we I have
3: spent no a load of money the last month to go down this path to convert from my farm. So I'm, I'm really happy that I've met people that make me believe in what you're doing. and But it's humanity, like you say. That's the bottom line. And I yield to the next person before we run out of battery. All right.
0: Thanks. Um, so um, I'm uh, going to quick plug. Uh, Marty and I have a class this weekend. If you're interested, our online Aquaponic Cannabis class is available at AquaponicCannabisClass.com. Um, we'll take you right to the link. Uh, it's a two-day uh, class online where we go through with his grow Along uh, with a slide deck and we go through all different types of things. You have microscope work really awesome and really awesome class So if you want to learn more about aquaponic cannabis, it's a really awesome class uh, again aquaponic cannabis Class.com will take you there and then uh, josh and I are teaching a, a in-person commercial class Uh in washington. It's all not available online um in um, uh, June 6th through 9th and you can find that out at um, Commercial aquaponics cannabis class I'll take you the link to that uh, and um, you can uh, You can find out uh, more about myself over at potent phonics YouTube channel. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud YouTube iTunes uh, All those other things uh, on phonics How do people find you mr. Green? Uh, he, I guess he took off about how so do June, find you, uh,
3: June? The June class is at Josh's farm. You didn't say that, but it's at Farm. Oh yeah,
0: The June class is at Josh's farm. Yep. Um, how do people find you, uh, uh Roger?
3: Well, you can find me uh, at ArtLoveGrowingMarijuana.com at Roger Latewood at instagram or facebook which i prefer because i don't do phones because i'm legally blind for so for all my friends out there just contact me there and we'll find a better way to get a hold of each other or communicate whichever way you want to do whether it be email or whatever uh, or phone calls but yeah that i'm i'm happy uh i I tell you what tonight was a great show and when you guys look at it you're going to see a background you know as it got dark it was purple it was freaking. The sky was purple back there. You know, I was like going, holy crap. Like, well, it was just like 10 minutes ago. Now it's dark. But, you know, uh, and yeah. let's move on to Tara Lee because, you know, we got to get Tara Lee
0: involved here. I'm
6: good. I'm here
0: on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, Who knows where yeah. else I am? Next episode, <laughs> just Google <laughs> Tara Lee. <laughs> I'll be, I'm going to be in between flights next episode, so we might do that, or we'll do maybe a Friday show or something. We'll figure it out but um and i have quite the story to tell we hung out with reader steve for the evening and we have quite the story to tell when uh for next episode so don't worry there there's cool things that happen from this from what happened in vancouver for sure so uh we'll see you guys again next week and um or on tuesday or thursday or friday i haven't decided yet so uh we'll see you guys later cheers love all around